We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. ...to really dive back into the book of 1 Peter. And so we've been building um, an outline in which we have been encouraged to see Peter's response uh, to the Christian salvation. So we've been building on that outline, and that begins by... Uh, looking at Peter's prayer of thanksgiving. And then we notice Peter's praise of proven faith, Peter's plea for holy living, Peter's proclamation uh, to fear the Lord, and then this week will be Peter's principle to love fervently. And so Peter has been encouraging these believers of this time and as us as well even today to remain faithful to live obedient lives for the sake of Christ. He has consistently reminded them of what God has done for them through Christ and who they are in Christ. What a great reminder for us to consistently be reminded of those two things. Because through these reminders, Peter is trying to communicate that we can be strong in our sufferings, that we will endure as Christians, that we will be successful Christians in the life of difficult times as, as we go through trials that sometimes God even brings our way so that he can grow us into a stronger believer and follower of Christ, as James says, consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And so today we're going to be continually looking through these uh, verses, and we see three principles that, that Peter lays down that I think will be helpful, which all support the main idea that we are to love the brethren. And so what these four verses are all about this morning is love. And today we're going to look at these principles that Peter gives on loving the brethren, and these principles will help us as believers to truly to passionately, to excitingly, enthusiastically, eagerly, and fervently love one another. And so shall we get into the text this morning. Turn again, with, if you will, with me to 1 Peter 1, to 25, as we look at Peter's principles to love fervently. He says, Since you, in having obedience to the, to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like the grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass wither and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Peter desires and commands that you and I love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this passage, he is telling those Christians that are enduring for the sake of Christ to love fervently from the heart. So three things that I believe will help us, that charge us, is to be reminded that one, a purified soul results in love. Secondly, a purified soul occurs by God. And thirdly, a purified soul relies on God's word. So let's dive into point one. A purified soul results 
in love. A purified heart or a changed soul will result in love for the brethren. If you come today, you don't have love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, then something is not clicking in your walk with Christ. And that's a reality that we all have to come to grips with. Peter is calling you and I to love within those human relationships that we have encountered, especially those in the community of faith, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to love. It's an imperative. And what is an imperative? It's a command. He doesn't give us the option. He doesn't say, hey, love your brother and your sister if they treat you good. He says, no, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he commands us to love the brethren. So how is it that we can do that? How is it that we can love one another when we're hurt by one another, when a brother or sister has spoken poorly of you behind your back, how is it that we can love one another when there's a false testimony spread about us? Because this never happens in the household of faith, does it? We could all chuckle, couldn't we? Because we know it happens. My son and I were driving down the road yesterday, and uh, we were on the phone with somebody, and... Uh, and I hung up, but it did not hang up. You know where I'm going, right? He, he says, well, let's listen. I said, son, I hung up. I said, I don't want to hear what somebody might say behind my back because I want to think best always. Because I know in the world in which we live, there is a reality that exists behind closed doors when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because everyone sitting here has fallen short of the glory of God. And so this morning, we have to come to the realization that a purified soul results in love. But how is it that we can love a person that doesn't necessarily love us back? Isn't grace great well we're commanded here to love love is in the imperative and that is command and so we all have to ask the question right off the bat this morning do you love your brothers and sisters in christ with appreciation with high regard and with respect it's easy to say yes right it's easy to 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 portray an answer, yes, sure, of course I love the brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me ask you a more personal question. Do you show it? Do you show it? First John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in truth. Now, that's easy to say I love, but it's another thing to live that out. I can tell you that I love you, but Peter here is saying, show it. In order to do that, we must look past others' shortcomings. Isn't that a reality? Just like you and I look past our own shortcomings. We can see it in ourselves. We know where we fall short. But it's really easy 
to think or to say we love when in reality we don't show it. So we're called to love one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to help each other in times of need. And that's what Peter's looking for here. For the brothers and sisters in Christ to have each other's backs, to love with a a sincere appreciation. And I know it's easy to love those that, that love you back. That's easy love. But isn't there a reality that not all people are easy to love? Yes. So how is it that we can love others when it's extremely hard? When it's like a negative and negative. You ever been around a person like that where it's just like a magnet that you try to put together on the same side. It repels each other. How can we love in spite of that? Why should we love each other? Other than because Peter says so. Well, Peter gives us a clue on how we are able to do that. How we are able to love each other as he calls us to love. And he begins in verse 22. He says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. He's simply saying this. Because you have been obedient to the truth, because you have understood that you as a believer in following Christ are to be holy as he is holy, because you are faithfully fearful of the God that we worship, because you have a purified soul, isn't that which causes you to love one another? You want to love each other here this morning the way Peter calls you to love? It starts with having a purified soul because a purified soul will always result in love. You want to know how to love like Christ calls us to love and to be willing to give up your life for the brethren? It's to have a purified soul. So you see, Jesus is perfect. He loved perfectly. But you and I, because we've fallen short of the glory of God, we're imperfect. And therefore, because we're imperfect, we love imperfectly. And so how is it again that we can love as Peter calls it love? And the answer is simple. It's by being purified. Well, Stuart, how can a man or a woman be purified? Well, I thought you'd never ask. You see, men and women, their souls are to be purified when they have become obedient to the truth. And only can one become obedient to the truth when they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Peter's not a fool. He he would never call someone that has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ to be purified. That would be like asking something that's incapable of doing something to do it with expectation and knowing it's impossible. It'd be like asking me to do trigonometry. It ain't going to happen. It just isn't in there. Peter's not a fool. Peter speaks a lot about obedience. And holy living. But what Peter is speaking of here, when he speaks of the truth, what is he speaking of? Well, we don't believe in a works-based salvation as Christians. We know that we know that Scripture doesn't teach that, and it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
But the New Testament's very clear on that. But what is Peter telling us? Well, a purified soul comes from obedience to the truth. And here Peter is speaking of the gospel message. The truth of God's word. The truth can be translated as a true teaching about Jesus Christ through the Word of God. And really in verse 23, he goes there, and we'll touch on that in a bit. But all of these verses that we are looking at today help support that we should have love for one another as the brothers and sisters in Christ. And because we have been obedient to the truth, to the true teachings of Jesus Christ through His Word, through the Word of God, You have a purified soul. And this is why it's important that we as believers allow the word of God throughout the week to penetrate our hearts. So that we can be transformed. So that we can be purified. So that we can, as believers and followers of Christ, have the opportunity to be transformed, to be changed into more of the image of Christ. You are saved, you're regenerated, you've been set free from the sin that once affected you as a believer because you've believed the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the gospel, it says, is the power to save in Scripture. And when you are saved, you are a new creation in Christ. Not because of what you've done, but, what, but what, because of what Christ has done. But when Christ works on your soul, you become something different. You become changed. You become purified. And the word and the work of God begin to change us. So that we can begin to love one another. You know, I'm so blessed. That as if I sit back and I think, is there one enemy in this world that I have? I can honestly, genuinely, from a pure heart, say no. Out of all of the stuff that's happened to me, all of the, the, the disadvantages that have taken place in my life, all those that have mistreated me and used me and misused me like you've been done to, I can honestly say I have love for even my enemies. And it's a blessing. But when I know someone has something against me, it keeps me up at night. Because I want with all of my being, with a purified soul, to make sure that I'm genuinely loving one another. It's not because of what Christ, what we have done, but what what Christ has done. And when you become changed and you become purified, it's through the working of the Spirit, through His Word. And this is what takes place to love, as Peter calls us to love, to be purified. A purified heart always results in love. Are you loving one another today? Are you at odds with the brother and sister in Christ here this morning? You see, it looks good on the outside, right? I mean, let's just be real. I mean, I'm driving down the road with my daughter, and she says, Dad, isn't it amazing to be a part of a church where there's, there's no disunity. Everybody's in fellowship. And I said, yes, it is. But don't be so foolish to think that we're perfect. Because we're people. And where people are, there's imperfections. And we can be taught by the Word of God 
that we are to love one another. And so we genuinely have to ask the question, do I have a problem with a brother and sister in Christ? Or am I truly loving them? Listen, pride will prevent you from loving as God has called you to love. And if you have been purified, redeemed, set free, then you need to make that right today. You need to make that right with that brother or sister. Because you must look past some of their shortcomings for the sake of love and forgiveness. We forget how awful we can be in what we are capable of as fallen human souls. You know, many years ago, the great Alexander the Great became a world conqueror. He decided that he would have one of the most famous painters come uh, to, to paint a portrait of him. And that painter decided, yes, I will come and do that for the great Alexander the Great. When the, uh, the, the, the painter arrived at Alexander's court, the renowned general asked him, that could you, rather than painting a side profile, paint a full front-on face pose? Painter said, yes, sure. But this caused the great painter great tension. Because on one side of Alexander the Great's face was a hideous scar in which he had received from a battle Uh, After studying the subject for some time, the painter came up with a great plan of action. He first seated Alexander at the table, and placing the general's elbow on it, he had him place his chin in, in his fist cupped. And as he investigated, how can I work past this hideous scar, he simply had him turn his finger and covered it. So many ways, the Christian love for one another is the same way. You see, we're not here to eliminate the ugliness of sin. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to love one another. And the reality is, sometimes that means covering one another's ugliness. We do it for our families. We do it for our wives and our children, right? We look past it, we cover it, we try to protect them, and we try to uh, give them the image that they are better than what they really are. Because we live in a culture that we want to portray a Facebook reality, right? So we only post our beautiful pictures, our perfect pictures, and we look like we have a life of perfection. When in reality we have scars all over us, and what we really need is brothers and sisters to cover those scars and protect one another, and to love one another. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in in your love for one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. The question is, and that you have to ask yourself today is this, do you love the body of Christ, the people? Not my best Christian friends, but everybody in the body even those that may have hurt you? Do you love them is the question. Let me validate this for you because Scripture is very clear on this. We must love because the Bible says we are to love. 
Peter commands it in 1 Peter 1.22. Paul lives it in 2 Corinthians 2.4. The church believed it in Colossians 1.3. Philemon showed it in Philemon 1.4. And John describes it here in 1 John 4.7-12 when he reads, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love God does the one who does not love does not love God, does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifest in us. That God has sent his Son, his only begotten Son, into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son. To be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. For if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Listen, the result of a true transformation in your life is love. A purified soul is love. A command of God to love. Even when, even when those who do not love us, we can love back because God has called us to love. The one who does not love, the scripture says, does not, does not know God. For God is love. And that's why a few weeks ago I, I utilized the, the point to say that we must have a proper reflection who is it are we reflecting? Is it Christ, the perfect one who loves perfectly, who gave himself for you and for me, the most hideous of sinners, such as I? What an example. You see, the Bible is filled with commands to love. And right here, Peter, in his epistle, we see him making this clear. Every chapter in the book of First Peter, he speaks of this. In 1 Peter 1.22, he says, fervently love one another from the heart. In 1 Peter 2.17, he says, love the brotherhood. 1 Peter 3.8, he says, love his brothers. 1 Peter 4.8, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. 1 Peter 5.14 says, greet one another with a kiss of love. We can might hold off on that one in a little bit, okay? Um, that might have been a cultural thing, okay? Just give me a big hug. You, you don't need to kiss me. Um, I might have cooties. No, I'm just kidding. In every chapter in 1 Peter, he addresses love for the brethren. You see, we're to love the brethren with a fervent love. Uh, the Greek word uh, used here stems from another Greek word, ekteno, which means to stretch out. It, it, it pertains to an unceasing activity. It simply means this, continuously or constantly. I know that people are hurting today. Listen, I hear the stories with no names, but of course this and that has happened. This person did this and so on and so on, and I'm hurt. But that doesn't reflect a heart of love for one another, a protection for one another. Praise God, he doesn't keep a record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13, let's read this. 1 Corinthians 13. If I'd have been a smart pastor, I would have marked this, but I didn't. But 1 Corinthians, um, he says this in chapter 13, verse 5, where he speaks about love being as patient, love is kind, and 
is not jealous, love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked, nor does it take into account a wrong suffered. Are we keeping account of the wrongs that have been done to us? Or have we given that to Christ? Have we, have we given that to God with high regards of trusting that God will take care of all of that other stuff and simply love them in action? Not simply in word, but in deed. The first principle that we learn from Peter is that a purified heart results in love. If there is no love, then listen. Maybe there's no purified soul. And if there's no purified soul, there's no expectation to love is what we're called here. The second principle that we get from Peter is, secondly, a purified soul occurs by God. You want to love like Peter instructs us to love. You want to have a fervent love for the brethren. You want to forgive those that have genuinely hurt you, that have made you suffer. It all starts with a purified soul. It's God alone that can do the work. Listen, I know you've been hurt. Every single one of us in here have been misused and mistreated in some worse than others. But I can tell you, trusting in Christ Jesus, relying on Him, He will purify your soul and He will give you an ability that can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive and to forget and to move on and to love that person with a genuine love that comes from the ability of Christ. A purified soul occurs by God alone. It's God alone that can do that work. Verse 23, he says, For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. Peter is supporting his claim to love fervently. Why? Because you've been born again. Not by a seed that's perishable, but by one that's imperishable. Now, perishable again has come over, over and over through the book of First Peter. And we've looked at it a few times already. It simply means to having a brief life or able to decay. You know what the opposite of perishable is? It's preserved. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Whatever seed he is talking about here is a seed that has caused you to be born again. And that seed is imperishable. It's preserved and you will not decay or die. What seed is he talking about? Well, the seed that he's talking about is the word of God. We see that in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. The word of God is imperishable. Listen, it regenerates, it gives life, it, it nurtures, and yet 
the process remains unchanged. God provides the imperishable seed through his word. Don't miss that the word you is used here in the plural. So you could say y'all. We understand that in the South. I think it's even in the dictionary now. Praise the Lord. I remember growing up, the teachers would say, you can't use the word y'all. I said, oh, you just wait. It's going to be available one day. Sure enough, it is. Just make sure you add the apostrophe, I think. You could say, y'all are born again for the, from the same Heavenly Father. So why should you love each other? Because you're family. You're not blood-related, maybe, but you're family in Christ. We have the same Heavenly Daddy. I love you because you're my brother. And we have the same Father. And that has made you and I both alive in Christ. And therefore, we are able to love one another as brothers and sisters. I would never do anything to intentionally hurt one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do something foolish and, and offend you. But never intentionally would I. We are to love continually, persistently, constantly, because are born again by the same Father, by the same Word, and therefore we have a special bond. We are all part of the same body, individually members of who? One another. And each part has a special function, so let each part have its, you know, doing its work. But if I smash my thumb, guess what? It hurts in my head, in my arm. So we're to love one another because we're part of the same body. And I'm going to take care of every limb I have, every toe I have, every finger I have, because I love my thumb. And I love my fingers, and I love my toes, and I love my ears, and I love my schnauzer because I can smell good food. And I love my mouth because I can taste, you know, lunch coming up afterwards. I love every part of my body. And you should love every part of the body of Christ as well. This, this relationship that we have in Christ that causes a community of mutual love for one another. And let me tell you what, when we love each other like this, we will make a difference out there because them out there want what we have in here or they should. We should be a family of love because it's God who made us alike in Christ. It's the Lord who has saved us. And it's through the living and enduring Word of God that He's done this. It's through the living and enduring Word of God. We can look to everything and, and anything in this world to save us, but unless you and I are born again by this imperishable seed, the Word of God, we have nothing to keep us loving one another. We're saved by God through the living and enduring word of God. It's not by your works. It's not by your efforts. It's not by your ability. It's through the word we have come to faith. It's the word of God that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division and soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word which God uses to save and seek the lost is the same word that makes us alike in Christ and able to love as Peter calls us to love. You don't love your brothers and sisters. 
you either have no relationship with the one true God, and therefore you're truly not a brother and sister, or you need to learn to forgive. You need to learn to forgive because your own body and you're a part of it. Look, we act like something we're not, and we can believe we're something that we're not and it's untrue. But if you are not saved by the imperishable seed, the word of God, maybe you have been fooled into thinking it's imperishable. It's the imperishable seed that you think. Man works, abilities, none of that. We live in a time that Christianity has, has, has truly been declining and humanism has been rampant. The culture says you don't have to believe in some God. You don't have to love him. If he offends you, then mark him off. Go hold a sign and mark down the road that they are wrong and I am right. It's become a right and wrong world we live in. Listen, you can just live a good life and ultimately you are a good person. But the reality is this, in verse 24, he says, All flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. You see, man and woman, they start out young. They start out strong, and it grows into something wonderful that looks so beautiful. He or she is like the grass. You know, this time of the year, grass is starting to sprout. It looks good. It turns green and comes up and looks healthy. And and all of the plants around us begin to bloom. All these azaleas and they look so good. It look healthy. Many will show them off. Oh, look at my azaleas. Look at my trees. They'll go spend money at Lowe's and plant them so it looks so beautiful. We grow much like this. We make a name for ourselves and we show off things and we trust that we have uh, this way of life always, but like the grass, as winter approaches, it begins to wither. And the beautiful flower that we've cherished, that, that sometimes we even put up here, if you leave it here long enough, guess what? It's going to fall off. And everything we have accomplished in this life that's temporal becomes dead. All flesh is like grass, and all of its glory, like the flower of a grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. Everything you've placed your trust in has perished, decayed, and gone away, unless it's in Christ. So if you have no love for your brothers and sisters, your fellow Christians, you have no desire for fellowship, you don't want to be a part of a Sunday school class because you really don't want to be around people. And Wednesday nights become something of the past and you don't enjoy the fellowship. And so let's just put it on the back burner because I'd rather not be around people I don't love. If you have placed your hope in things that are perishable, be, be concerned. Be concerned. You see, a born-again soul is a result of God and a result of the imperishable Word of God. And it's an important principle to remember. Would you today allow the Spirit of God to begin to purify your soul by trusting in Christ and the Word of God? A purified soul results in love. A purified soul is, occurs by God. And lastly, a purified soul relies on God's Word. You can depend on things that are perishable, but I hope today...
you will begin to evaluate what it is that has saved you. Don't be like the grass that withers and the flower falls off. But in verse 25 it says, But the word of God, the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Without a new birth in Christ, you will never understand love the way God has intended you to love. Your love will be tainted with sin. Your love will be tainted with improper uh, intentions. And it will never be as God has called us to love. And in the end, we will perish. Listen, the seed that we are saved by is living and active. Though the world around us will promise us great things, all of it will become with decay and will fall off. Listen, God's truth and His Word will always remain. And that we can stand on. That causes us to be purified and to rely on the Word of God. Because a purified soul always heeds the warnings of Scripture. Many tried to destroy it. They are dead now. The Word is still alive. And our dependency on the Word of God is of most importance. Because it will at the end of your life be there. When all of that other stuff will fade away. And we individually will see Christ face to face oh what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory listen the reality is is they can try to burn it they can remove it from the schools from the White House they can remove it from wherever they want the word when it's hidden in our hearts is irremovable The word will endure forever. And a purified soul, one who is born again, a believer in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, depends on it. You want to be able to love like Peter calls us to love. It comes from a purified heart. That is a result of God that is imperishable through the word of God that endures forever. What are you waiting on this morning? Maybe you're watching this morning and you know you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior. Would you do that today? He has made it possible for you to have a purified soul. And it comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. I can't do it for you. Your mom and dad can't do it for you. Only you can trust in Christ. And then you will be able to begin to love as God calls us to love by becoming a brother and sister in Christ and growing in the faith. Listen, be certain it can only take place by God through His Word. Let's pray.